from Vistio. This is CXQA Live. A show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business. Welcome to CXQA Live, the home of the agent-centric contact center philosophy. We talk every week about how agents with the right connection to your business, the right training and the right tools are going to be a revenue growth and protection center for your business or brand. They're going to be the best diagnostic tool that you can have for your business. They're going to ensure that your customers are satisfied and connected. They're going to do more and better work, and they're going to want to stick around and be a part of the long-term success of your company. So back with us today is our resident training expert, Sherry Kendall. She leads training out for 24-hour fitness. She's got 25 plus years in learning and development and training, and much of that in the CX space. Always a pleasure to have you with us, Sherry. Thank you. Good morning. Just for our audience, I do live in a rural town in the mountains, and uh, for some reason, my internet's just a bit off today, so there seems to be a bit of a delay, and I apologize, but excited to be here nonetheless. We're going to absolutely just press through here uh, because you have some really good stuff to share with us. I'm very interested to discuss this topic with you. It's it, We talk about AI all the time in CX these days. It's everywhere. Last week, uh, Stacey Sherman and I were talking about it from the Reuters event in New York City. There's a constant sort of dialogue about how AI and the contact center are going to operate and coexist, mm-hmm. and how all this is going to be and work. But specifically in your space where you are a focus and your career has been focused in the training space, you've kind of thought through maybe some non-traditional or new or maybe just a few diverse ways that AI can be relevant in enhancing the CX training organization and the goals of a CX training organization. So I would love for you just to kind of walk through those and we'll kind of unpack them as we go. Certainly. So I I started thinking after a conversation with Jeremy Watkin, I I know he's a friend of Vistio and and, uh, he's also a director of a small contact center. And he got me thinking about small contact centers and just contact centers in general usually have a very limited learning and development budget. You know, I've had clients that say training, we have to train folks. (laughs) And so I was started to think about all of the ways in which AI could really bring value to an L&D team and to the organization. And so, I don't know, about for six to nine months now, I guess, I've been playing around with a lot of different tools, but especially ChatGPT is where I started, of course. I think many of us start with AI in that space. And uh, I attended an incredible webinar by, I believe it's Learning Worlds, and they offer, I think it's like a 32-page ebook, and it's free, so if anyone's interested in it. But they really started they have really refined the process of prompt engineering for L&D. So how to prompt ChatGPT to really create robust video scripts, role plays. And quite frankly, if you don't know what activity you want to create, you can just ask ChatGPT to create, help you create the activity, help me figure out what activity might work well for this particular topic. So, you know, help us create that efficiency. If you can create a video script, right? This has taken 
days, sometimes weeks. You can get that down into hours. You can really start focusing on the things that really matter, right? Which is performance development. And we often forget learning and development really is about performance improvement. We have fun ways to get there. We get to train and teach and do all of those things. But at the end of the day, our value is our ability to improve performance. And the other thing I was thinking about is you know, if you're not in a large organization with a large budget, you're probably still creating decks, a lot of decks. I have my own thoughts about decks, but that's for another time. And if you have to use decks, we understand that the visual, it's the visual aspect, that's where the power lives, right? We need to make sure that our visual content is speaking, is has a powerful voice. And if you don't have a budget and you can't afford Shutterstock and you can't afford all of these other very expensive tools, and what I've noticed lately, some of our free tools are even starting to charge. One of the great things about AI now is text to art. It is absolutely my favorite thing right now <laughs> because I can share my vision with ChatGPT for the powerful visual that I need for this section of my deck to really convey the message and have an image, sometimes in seconds, definitely not more than minutes. That's interesting. So have you been utilizing that in your own work? What are the benefits of using that solution for you and the outcomes that it improves for you? So text to art for, I think is, is probably the thing I'm most excited about at the moment. And I'm not an artist. And so I have spent hours and hours before combing, looking for the right image to convey my message. Mm. If you if you ever see my decks, and I'm sure at some point you will, it's visual, right? So I am creating, I'm using those representations to bring my message home. They enhance the presentation. A slide should never be your presentation. If you're asking your learners to read a slide and listen to you, they're gonna choose one or the other or sit there in a state of confusion. Either way, they're not, you're not optimizing that time. So it should be a powerful image. I can now share my vision in my head and it can get very convoluted up there. I can start with that and these tools will help me refine that as we move through. And I don't think I've ever spent more than 10 minutes refining my idea of what a visual should look like. And boom, you then use that with PowerPoint design tools. And you look like Nancy Girarte, which is my visual crush. <laughs> She's phenomenal. And I've always, you know, imagined like, oh, man, I wish I could design like her. Well, now you can <laughs> because of all these tools that you have. That's really powerful. I mean, I know in, in any kind of learning or presentation environment, the ability to connect concepts using imagery is so critical, especially for, you know, a larger group where, you know, you have a variation of different learning styles represented in that group. So the ability to get to that image that's going to be helpful it, honestly, for me, when I'm building decks, when I'm building presentations, just sort of accept that it's worth the amount of time it's going to take to go find the right image, even though it might be mm -hmm. a long time. So the idea that we might be able to get even a higher quality image with less pain and time investment to get there is definitely enticing. Well, and it's so accurate that I put in a description of one of the great loves of my life, my dog, Callie, and I put in a description of her and I wanted her to be look. I wanted her to look like a unicorn with a tutu because I just was being silly. Right. 
And in seconds, I had an image that I sent to my daughter. She thought it was my dog. She was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you dressed Callie up. (laughs) I I just created that in like five seconds. That's interesting. I mean, that's definitely a strong use case. Let's unpack some of the other ones that you have in mind and walking through them. Okay, so ChatGPT, as I mentioned, another great thing with ChatGPT before I move on, and these aren't necessarily for learning and development in the traditional sense in which we're creating courses. But we have to remember, we got to get out of that traditional, right? Learning and development's not just creating courses. It's so many more things than that. And we've talked about that many times. So some other ways you can use that is you can turn your knowledge base articles, because I'm certain everyone on this call has a rich knowledge base or they're on their way to creating one into micro learning. So you can take that article, feed it into ChatGPT and ask ChatGPT to create some step-by-step processes for you. And boom, you now have some micro learning. You can either put it in a deck or upload into a tool like Articulate. And then for agents or supervisors to create more efficiency, you can check your messages for grammar. You can simplify complex messages. And these tools allow us to become more efficient while we're interacting with our customers, which then leaves space for us to really develop those power skills. And what we know is, well, we used to call them soft skills. We now call them power skills for those of you that that aren't used to the new term. And we understand that those power skills is what sets an organization apart. Right. So if you're shopping for furniture online, you can buy a couch from 7000 people, 7000 organizations. The one you're going to go back to is the one that offers you agents and salespeople with strong power skills. So using it to create that efficiency provides that space to offer either micro learnings or one on one coaching or whatever your strategy is to develop your power skills in your agent. So one of the themes that I'm hearing and what you're saying and that certainly matches with the overall ways that the economy in general and a society in general are trying to think about AI, but specifically thinking about the training organization and training leaders is the things that really make training leaders valuable are not the ability to, for example, go find an image. It's not necessarily the work of preparing the training. It's the understanding of how training works. It's the understanding. Yes how to strategize and design training to achieve the outcomes. And so if the AI is able to do some of the lifting in the areas where it it doesn't make sense for someone with that strategic mind to spend that time, then we're talking about making that person, that training leader, more impactful and more valuable to the organization. Yes. You know, every time we do this, Rob, I think if you could just follow me around all day and summarize what's in my head. That's just what I'm hearing, you know, but it's, make, it's making yes. a lot of sense to me. And the way, the way that you're explaining it and the components of it makes so much sense, right? Because I think uh, in many cases, there are fears in not just in agents, but in, in leaders that, well, this, this is going to make my job obsolete or, or not necessary. But really what it's going to do is make you more valuable as long as you understand how to implement it, as long as the right boundaries are in place. So let's keep going. Um, I, I'd, I'd like yeah. to hear more of the things that you've been thinking about with this. Yes. So the other thing are tools like Service Sim that has an AI that acts as the customer, right? So yeah. that AI understands your workflows, understands your top contact drivers, and then provides that opportunity. What you know, it's 
really essential in onboarding, but can also be folks that are in development plans. But having that AI tool that can act as the customer, so now you're not pulling a supervisor off the floor, right? You're not pulling people. So in many organizations, they will conduct some kind of role play. So they'll pull tenured agents off the floor to interact with new hires. So now let's look at the business case. I've just pulled one agent off the floor out of production, right? We can all run those numbers for your personal, for your org. And we don't have any guarantee that that agent's having a great day and is on point and is going to demonstrate the skills we want demonstrated, right? So now we might be impacting customer service and we can reduce all of that. We don't have to do that. We can use AI that does behave the way we want it to because we've told it how to behave. It understands our workflows. It's not clicking in the wrong place. It's not telling us the wrong information. And now production is not impacted. And then you and I had this conversation. I think it was just, yeah, it was just yesterday. Wow. <laughs> How it can evaluate now. Mm -hmm. So imagine that I'm a supervisor. I have some people coming to me from onboarding. Before I even get to know them and meet them, I get a report from AI that shows me where they are exceptional, where they're going to need some help. So after I spend time getting to know them, I can dive right into the points in which they need assistance. I can be so efficient as a coach and developing their skills that the speed to competency, I would not hesitate to say is at least impacted by 50%. They will be ready to go 50% sooner. And again, I don't have this documented, I'm guessing here, than without a tool like ServiceSim. So, I mean, I think that there, there's a lot of principles here that I think we could have a lot of different conversations around. One question that I have for you is more of a, a taking the temperature of the marketplace sort of question. And that is, are you seeing a lot of adoption of these types of AI tools that are being utilized efficiently to help drive value in training? Or is there still a lot of hesitancy there? And, and what are your thoughts about that? So great question, of course, and it depends on so many things, a few variables. So learning and development professionals, I think everyone I've spoken to, all the blogs I read, everywhere I go to get my information, everyone's excited, right? Because this allows us that space to continue to refine our skill set and be that valued business partner. Hmm. You know, L&D knows at the end of the day, that's the goal. We have to be a valued business partner in order to have that seat at the table. So we're excited about it as far as I can tell. I can also tell if you're not excited about it, not figuring out how to use it in your practice, you're probably not going to be here next year. I, I mean, that's just the way it is. However, some of these tools, you go to leadership outside of L&D, and they don't necessarily, we're asking them to spend money most of the time on things that they don't necessarily understand yet. So there, there can still be some hesitation there. But if you, I find if you come in, much like you and I talked about, Rob, you come in and you do create a small A-B test, and you can usually build a business case for it. I think that's an important variable for adoption of new technologies in any business is finding a vendor that understands the sensitivities and the hesitancies that may exist in the leadership structure and provide pathways for testing and learning. We've talked about that on the show here as well, you know, just trying to select vendors that are able to provide those more sensitive on-ramps rather than, you know, try to, you know, bite off a 12-month or longer contract without ever really having the opportunity to show the value or even show 
the safety functionally within the business. And then I think those kinds of vendor partners are the, are the type that you need to look for. But with training organizations, I think this is an interesting kind of pivot conversation potentially here. And that is, there's usually a set budget attached to training. Yes. And as quickly as everything is changing with AI specifically in the technology space, you know, there are a lot of opportunities out there for potentially onboarding new technologies, but there's no budget because it didn't exist when the budget was made. And <laughs> if, you're, if you're in a budgeting period right now, you're like, I don't even know what this is going to look like in February. So how do I budget for, you know, a whole fiscal year coming up when I, you know, everything's changing so quick and being as one spoke off the wheel of the CX organization with a, you know, set budget and set parameters, how would you recommend a training leader think about budgeting for new technologies and maybe some workarounds and principles for building business cases for things that aren't in the budget? So that is a great question and honestly hadn't thought of it, but you're right. It is moving that quickly. We don't know what's coming in February and we do project for an entire year. So that is a great question. And I think that the first step would be using some of these free tools to demonstrate the efficiency gain and then build the business case for moving to a tool that's going to cost money. And you, it goes back to, you have to know your business, mm. right? So that's something else that you know, I'm excited that learning and development figured out, you know, a decade or so ago that it used to be, oh, if I know how to teach, I can teach anything. Well, mm, I can, I once taught a math class and I don't math very well. Was I effective? No. <laughs> I made everyone laugh. We had a good time, but I did not improve performance. I need to be able to improve performance to be a valued business partner. And that means I have to understand my business in order to be able to make a case for spending more money. Then I have to understand how learning and development can impact performance. Where can this tool bring some efficiency? The first solution. So using those free tools, creating some business cases, using some test cases, but also if it's possible to add a pad, right? So put some padding in that budget and say, we don't have this earmarked yet, but this is our goal. This is our objective with this pocket of money and see if you can get us some alignment and agreement there. Hmm. That's really good. I think we've talked about this before, but one of the problems that is happening in technology buying across the economy, certainly in CX, is we get attached to the idea that we need a specific type of technology rather than looking first at the problems we're trying to solve or mm -hmm. opportunities for growth. I think what's unique about AI is that we're getting to ask different questions about what can be solved. And so mm, yes. it, it kind of makes that framework simultaneously more important than ever and also difficult. You know, so thinking about, just take your example of the image the ability to even say, can I make this process more effective and more efficient in finding the right image for, for learning purposes? You know, we, we were all pretty pleased when we had Google image search. I mean, this was, yes, we were my friend, the paperclip on the side of the screen who really wasn't that helpful at all. You know, and we're trying to find clip art and we're trying, you know, back in the vector print days. Right. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. So when you had to pull the, ribbon off the side of the paper after you printed it, we could not have imagined something as advanced as Google image search. And now we're talking about going much, much, much deeper with the way that technology makes essentially a shortcut time-wise, but more importantly, 
a better outcome in every sense with that process. So I think that's a unique challenge that we all face in integrating these new technologies into our lives. But as a business where you've got budgets and you've got quarterly business reports and you've got training classes that have time frames and it takes time to prepare for those. And, you know, it, we're turning the Titanic in many ways and yes. it's kind of tricky. Yeah. And the other thing to remember is we have, I believe it's five generations in the workforce now. And I think of, I have two grandchildren that are actually filling out college applications and getting ready to enter the world of adulthood. I can't believe it. But I think if I if they saw, you know, that clip art or some of the antiquated things that we still use today, it would damage the credibility of the organization. You know, they would be in in onboarding somewhere thinking about what Mickey Mouse organization is this? I got to get out of here. So, you know, we also have to consider the folks that we're bringing into our organizations and what they're going to demand of us as well. Yeah, totally. I think that's a really important variable. I mean, I think of myself as a digital immigrant, you know, when, when I was born, phones were mostly on the wall and yes. some phones still had a rotary and no and, voicemail. No, right, so like you had to program and record a, a greeting on a tape that was in a box that was attached. To the yes. box, right. And the idea of a computer was like, I don't really, I don't really understand what that is. And then by the time I'm into, you know, elementary school, we were playing, you know, the settlers game where, you know, where mm-hmm. make sure we don't get dysentery on our way across or drown in, in the river. And and so we're starting to see all that. And by the time we graduate, I graduated high school, there were phones in your pocket. Yeah. And by the time I graduated college, there was internet in your pocket. Right. But my kids, every screen is a touch screen or it's old fashioned. And, you know, the way that they're integrated with technology is, somewhat alarming to me, but also very fascinating. And so we, yes. this massively impacts the ways that people will learn, massively impacts the way that people will do their work in general. So I think this is all really, really good stuff. And I appreciate you kind of going through a list of a few of the things that you've been thinking about with regard to CX training. We're going to keep you around for this conversation multiple times because it's going to continue. To work. It's almost like we should just have like, Every six weeks, let's have a touching of base because even where we were with this the last time you were on and we were just kind of starting to shape our thinking, it's evolved a lot. It has, and I've evolved. I mean, at first I thought, boy, that just sounds like a really lazy way to create content because I always designed it, right? And then I thought, well, that's a really antiquated way of thinking, Sherry. <laughs> so I got in there and just started playing with it. I was like, this allows me to do the things that are important, you know, like performance improvement and just all the things that we have to do in learning and development. So I'm excited. I am too. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure Mm -hmm. to have you, Sherry, and looking forward to where you help us process this moving forward. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Guys, we're going to end the session now, but we are going to be in the chat room, the discussion room afterwards. We'd love to have you join us. And uh, thanks for being with us for our time today. Have a great Tuesday. To listen to a recording of this and other episodes, visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts. And to join our show live each week, go to vistio.io forward slash CX live.